Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along, check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax, and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the Newtown Theatre Grand Hall. Please ensure all mobile devices are switched off and note that no photography, filming or recording of any kind is permitted. In the unlikely event of a fire, please make your way calmly to the fire exits which are clearly marked at either side of the auditorium, following the instructions of the Newtown Theatre staff. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy the show. Worst warm-up man ever. Ladies and gentlemen... Welcome to the New Town Theatre. Please welcome the Radio Times comedy champion in waiting. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? Thank you for coming. It's lovely to see you. It's all full. It's very exciting here in this Masonic Hall. Uh, welcome to uh, Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. Um, I was hanging out at uh, the Big Jam Sandwich show uh, the other day, and uh, a lot of cool kids hang out down there. They call it Ref, so I don't know if that's... People nudging each other ready. Was, were you getting ready to shout, get ready? That's who's going, get ready, it's coming up. <laughs> Just in case you're not familiar. Uh, with, well, yeah, it's, uh, we, it's been quite an exciting week. The, the fringe is well underway. Uh, it's been going okay for me, uh, which is all I care about. And... Um, 
Uh, I will talk a little bit about that later, but yeah, but there's weirdly I got, got I've been involved in that like some. I mean, it's basically just a clickbait thing that the Radio Times website runs, where they're trying to find the comedy champion of the United Kingdom. Uh, I don't even know how my name was in there in the first place, but what the Radio Times didn't realise is how obsessive the four people who like me are, <laughs> <laughs> and how good they are at setting up computers that can vote several times, and so. Uh, I've managed to get to the final, uh, which I don't... I, we, the semi-final was me versus Ricky Gervais. There's some, you know, there's some history there, certainly between me and Ricky Gervais's fans. And um, uh, he was kind of tweeting about it quite a lot, but then I got to about 85, 20, 15 ahead, and uh, he stopped tweeting about it. <laughs> At least Jason Manford is putting up a fight. So we'll see how that goes. Do go and visit the website if you are here today. Uh, and uh, it's for, closes at 10 o'clock tonight. We'll find out. And, you know, it will be just... I think my, the people who like me will probably try to vote against me at the last minute because they know how funny it will be if I just am the runner-up again. It's just, <laughs> if, I just, if I beat Ricky Gervais and, uh, and miss out at the last minute. But Jason Manford is a lovely, uh, lovely man, despite the things you may have heard about him. <laughs> so, um... He just got caught. That's the only difference. So, uh, that's the only difference... <laughs> just be more careful, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, and uh, the, this, uh, well, I had a bit of a scare at the weekend. I, I took my daughter out. My daughter, I'm here with my family, which makes the Fringe a lot more fun, uh, which is why I saw a show about a big jam sandwich. A bit childish for my liking, I have to say. It was just not realistic at all. Uh, and um, uh, we went to the playground near our house, and uh, she, went, she went around on this little roundabout, which I, I later went on with her, which was like... Um, it's like a quite clever one. It's like a little bicycle, little, and, you, and, you, and you do it, and then it goes round if you do it with a couple of kids. But I went on it because I'm quite small. I could get on it, and that's the advantage of having a short dad. Uh, I found it absolutely terrifying, I have to say. So, But then she got off that, and she ran to another, uh, the climbing frame, and as she was running at full pelt, tripped over and smashed her head into like a little steering wheel hanging off the... Uh, which was very terrifying. So we've been to the excellent uh, Edinburgh Sick Children's Hospital. You know, I mean, did they need to put sick in there, really? Uh, it's a good job I didn't take her to the Edinburgh Well Children's Hospital, didn't it? They go, oh, sorry, mate, we don't know what we only, we only deal with children who are okay here. That's our, that's our expertise. <laughs> uh, luckily, she's fine. I got a nice uh, bruise on her head, but it was, it's a terrifying thing being a parent. But that's, so that's been my uh, main thing of this week. Uh, and last night I did my show. I've been doing my show. I've done it nine times now. It's going uh, pretty well. And please come along. It's called Oh Frig, I'm 50. The people here have got a program for it. So it's at 7.30 at the Pleasance One. There are still some tickets available. Uh, but um, last night I was quite tired, but I kind of forgot about four big chunks of the show. And only realised when I got towards the end and realised, oh, there's a massive callback at the last line of the show to something that I haven't said. So uh, I don't know if that's just because I'm tired or just because I've got a bit complacent because it's show nine or just because I'm 50 and my brain... And that's, that could be it now, just, you know. <laughs> might, I just shut down. Uh, and the good shows I've seen, the uh, Big Jam Sandwich is all right. Monsky Mouse. If you've got kids, take them to Monsky Mouse uh, Disco. That's uh, a lot of fun. I uh, saw so Ahish Shah yesterday, who I, who can't, I would have on this podcast, but he's on at the same time as this podcast. Uh, a great comic doing uh, stuff about Brexit uh, and being an Indian origin person in the UK at the moment, which uh, not great, uh, apparently. So, uh, look, we're going to crack straight on. We've got a, an amazing guest uh, for this week's show. Uh, do, do come again next week. We've got uh, Ian Sterling, who is the voice of Love Island, a show I haven't watched, but I understand is some kind of pornography that he then talks over. So that sounds good to- sort of ruining the pornography. He should go on pornhub.com and start doing that as well. Just 
doing sarcastic comments. <laughs> we'll talk to him about that next week. Uh, and there may be another guest next week. And I maybe because it's been going pretty well, I might try and see if we can do one in the final week as well. Because, you know, I'm not tired enough as it is. Uh, so my guest this week is probably best known uh, for his appearance on the 50 Funniest Moments of 2014. And that's all we're going to be talking about, those 50 moments. It's James Acaster, ladies and gentlemen. Here he comes. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Sit down. There's some water. You might want to take your mic off the stand. It's up to you. It's all, it's all, yeah. it's all your choice. Thank you. You can leave it there if you want and just have it hovering in front of your take face. Take it off. Yeah, I think that's the best. Then you've got to unwrap it a bit. That's why. They've really gone to town. They have really gone to town. I forgot to check it this week. But, um, what, did, what were the 50 funniest moments of 2014? So many. <laughs> uh, can't even remember now. I can't remember what happened. Can't remember in one thing. I think that they were showing it, but it was all stuff that was already funny on TV and YouTube clips and stuff. Right. So it's a kind of thing where you get brought in as a comic to be funny about something that is already funny. Yeah. Which uh, is pointless. Yeah. May as well just show the clips and everyone can go, yeah, they're really funny. But yeah. instead, it in- interrupted by people like me going, here's why it's funny, by the way. <laughs> as a comedy, it's still 250 quid, I bet. Yeah, oh, some yeah. sweet spondulics. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not spitting in the face of it. <laughs> I, I bet it must have got harder to do those as the years passed, like the funniest moments of 2016. There probably aren't 50 funny moments. Well, two, that, but, that, two, but that's where the actual skills as a comic comes in. Is. <laughs> that's when they should get us in, is 50 funniest moments of 2016. And, really, yeah. really, uh... and 2017, I mean, the, the second half of the year is just going to be a, a nuclear apocalypse, holocaust. Yeah. Wasteland, so... That show, uh, actually, the funniest moments of 2017 will be the only thing you can watch on TV. It'll just be that <laughs> on every channel on a loop. Well, you're up in Edinburgh. You're, you're on... I'm not saying my booking policy is lax, but you are in the theatre after my show. Yeah. At the Pleasance. <laughs> and that's the only comedian I've met during yeah. this Fringe, because I have a daughter up here. Yeah. So it's quite an easy booking to make. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, you're doing three shows, though. Are you insane? You're doing your whole trilogy of uh, stand-up shows. Yeah, I'm doing three uh, different shows. And actually, I'm doing um, some, f- uh, some extra shows, which are a fourth, a fourth show oh, right. as well. So, yeah, I'm doing four shows at, at, at the festival. Yeah. How are you finding that? Is that? Because I, I find it difficult remembering my own show one yeah. show this year. I, I, well, I've been touring it since January. So people always ask you at the start, like, how, how do you remember them all? And yep. you remember it by touring it and getting it wrong <laughs> repeatedly. But then uh, that's what cements it in your head eventually. Yeah. And eventually it becomes one kind of thing. Yeah. Do you find... Well, I sort of find that it doesn't usually happen this early. If I'm on tour for a long time, mm. I'll get so familiar with the show. Even if I'm messing around with it and changing it, there'll just come a day... 40 or 50 days in where I just com- my mind goes blank and yep. you can't even remember what comes next or what comes after next and you just I kind of have a day when I don't bother yeah. so that's bad yeah. so like you know you're going around <laughs> doing the tour and trying everywhere you go and then you have a day when you're like oh, unless, unless they're a really great audience I cannot be fucked and then <laughs> and then you get out there and they're not a great audience and so you go well, do you know what I'm just going to mess around and talk to them and not do this and miss out chunks of the show deliberately <laughs> and I you don't actually consciously think that but you're doing it to amuse yourself and I think in the moment you think this is how I'm going to be funny tonight this is their best chance of me being funny is me messing around but it means they don't get the show right. which you know if they speak to anyone else who's been at any other shows they might get a bit pissed off <laughs> how much I missed out and do you do all three shows at every town you go to yeah so I do yeah. three nights in every town wow. and do um, one two three and on the last night we do the extra one as well so. Right. 
Yeah, doing oh, yeah, four. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, that came in during the tour, yeah. so it was like... It wasn't originally the plan to do four, and but I stupidly booked myself, uh, you know, just doing two halves everywhere, every night. Yeah. So in mean, the first half, I didn't know what to do because I was already doing the show in the second half, so I'd do even older material. Right. And I, I enjoyed relearning all that, and then I figured out that, actually, I could make the three shows I was touring one story. Uh, and I figured out how to make the one story, but there was a gap in the narrative. So I took the other old material, <laughs> made that, plug the gap, and now it's one story, and I've ruined my life. <laughs> Do the same people come to all of the shows, though? It's quite a good a way... Quarter of, yeah. A well, quarter that's... of them. A quarter of them come to all the shows. Yeah, and, it's a good way of selling uh, a lot of tickets, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, a good way of tricking. But also, you'd think that the people who come to every show are the really nice fans and respectful, and they're not. <laughs> And the ones who really like to heckle and ruin it and make themselves like a part of it. So, yeah, they get, they get really smashed on the first night and they heckle and go, oh, I hope they don't come again. And then you go out on the second night and they're sitting on the front like, looking at you like, yeah, I'm going to do it again. Well, I'm not impressed, mate. I did 12 shows in six weeks, so for screw yeah. you, I'm the best. Uh, I'm... So, um, and, uh, yeah, look, I've been... Um, well, actually, you, when I met you at the Wells Comedy Festival backstage, you were very—you told a very funny story about going to Peterborough. Do you remember that story? That the audience in, there was an audience. In oh yeah, I mean Peterborough was—if uh, Peterborough was the worst one of the tour, by by a country mile, I'd say. <laughs> and uh, they didn't like it. They didn't like any of them. Any, any of the shows I bought them. <laughs> um, and it was—it was also—it was a third full every night, which is right. very annoying when you're there for three nights and you <laughs> figure out you could have sold it out for one night. It would have been great. Um, but there's a bit in one of my shows where uh, I tell a, a fable, which is made up, which is you know, uh, about the, the goose and the sloth. <laughs> and uh, I always lead into it by saying about someone who's so judgmental, it's like he's never heard the fable of the goose and the sloth. And then I'll always leave a pause, and the audience kind of like, you know, I'm confused, and that's the point. And then I'll go into the bit, I'll either go into the bit cold, or someone, one, one in five times, someone will shout out, What's that? I don't know what that is. And that's quite a good way in. Because yeah. when they go, I don't know what it is, you, you, you kind of go, I can't believe you don't know what it is. Are you kidding me, mate? Everyone in this room knows the goose and the sloth and you don't know it. Well, I'll tell it just for you then. And then you do the whole thing. But in Peterborough... <laughs> I got to that bit and the guy shouted out... So I got to this fable of the goose and the sloth. And there's a pause and he went, What the fuck are you on about? <laughs> And uh, I was like, oh, good, I get to do that bit. So, like, I, I, I went, what, what, so you don't know the fable of the goose and the sloth? And he went, look, mate, you're talking about these things like we're meant to know what you're talking about, but none of us know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never heard that fable. Uh, I, said, I said, everyone's heard that fable, sir. How arrogant to shout out in a room full of people who have all heard it. You're the, just because you haven't heard it doesn't mean you have to stop the show for everyone else. And then a lady in front of him turned around and went, Love, I haven't heard of it either. <laughs> and I was like, you haven't heard of it either? What are they teaching, Peterborough? This is ridiculous and no one's heard of this fable. Yeah, the, uh, the lady at the front went, right, who ain't heard of it? <laughs> and there about 20 of them put their hands up, <laughs> looking at me like, we haven't heard of it. And I told the fable, which deliberately doesn't make sense as well. <laughs> the whole thing doesn't make sense. It's about goose galloping around on all fours and stuff. 
And this lady in the front kept turning to her mates going, I st- have you heard of this? <laughs> I've never heard this fable before. The good thing about touring usually is you go to a place like Peterborough, you arrive at 5 o'clock and you leave at 10 o'clock. You don't yeah. have to spend any time in Peterborough. You have to spend three days in every town. I have to be there for three days and I don't dare leave my hotel room because <laughs> they might be out there. So, yeah. Did you, have you seen any nice places that you didn't know much about when you've been on tour and have looked around? This is where my mum would be very disappointed with me because yeah. she always says, are you going out, are you seeing stuff? Yeah. And, like, I think if I go abroad, I do. Yeah. Like, I really, you know, I had, I had one gig in Paris this year and I spent the whole day having a you know, brilliant day yeah. and just going out and uh, proper, you know, doing Paris. And then in the evening, died on my ass and went home. <laughs> um, and, like, that's good. But, like, yeah, when I'm around England, I don't do it as much. I think maybe, like, places like Newcastle yeah. that I... Just haven't really, I've never been to on tour for some reason. Right, okay. And so, you know, it's like when you, when you, do, yeah. you tweet your tour dates and there's always, like, one place where you're not going and that's the only thing you hear about on Twitter <laughs> is everyone going, oh, got something against Newcastle, have you? Oh, someone hates Newcastle, fuck you, mate. And then, uh, and then you go to Newcastle and no one tweets, thank you for coming to Newcastle. <laughs> you just get a load of other people going, oh, what's wrong with Birmingham? And you're like, oh, it's been Birmingham last year and you didn't say anything. Um, so, yeah, I went to Newcastle for the first time on tour and that yeah. was... That, that, that is a place where I think, yeah, seven snobs like me really underestimate it. Then you go there and go, oh, it's amazing. It's it is really amazing. Good. I love. Well, I love coming through Newcastle. On the, I always do a gig in Newcastle on the way up to Edinburgh. But I love driving past the Angel of the North. That's always part of my yep. thing, and it's beautiful. I really love the Angel of the North and all that quayside, the Baltic uh, Arts Gallery. Yeah. And I took my daughter there this year, and we just went up and down in the lifts. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really like the art, but I've never Baltic. enjoyed being in an art gallery more. She just yeah. wanted to go. Up to the top, she would come out and she'd have a look around, then she'd go, go let's go down, we would go just down. I wish you were like that again. again. Would it be yeah. great? Like, that kind of... <laughs> that world as a kid, is, <laughs> yeah. if only I could reclaim that and enjoy it. That's what we're trying to do. Do the lifts, the escalators. Yeah. Skipping, all... I think, is quite... You know, that's what... She's skipping to, as she moves around now. Yeah. I really miss skipping. I mean, yeah. It's just a great way to move around. Yeah. Michael McIntyre will tell you yeah, that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. managed to do it. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got the right idea. So I've been sent a copy of your book that's coming out very soon, uh, yes. which is called uh, James A. Caster's Classic Scrapes. Yes, please. Uh, and it is, I, I think it's in the top two funniest books I've ever read. Thank you and, so uh, much. the other one in the top two is uh, Emergency <laughs> Questions by Richard Herring. So, you know, we possibly have the authors of the two funniest books in the world here. I mean, this probably, you know, once that's been established down the line, yeah. people will listen to this going, I can't believe the two... Most yeah. witty authors of comedy. So if you don't find anything we say funny, imagine it written down. <laughs> It'd be really great. This is, uh, genuinely, I don't think I've ever laughed at a, a book uh, on purpose more than that's <laughs> meant to be funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I've just, like, within about the first 20 pages, I'd cried laughing twice. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I'm reading, when I was just reading it in Pret-a-Manger, and there was loads <laughs> of people around, and just, it was just really, it's that embarrassing thing, where you're just <laughs> sitting on your e- eating a sandwich, you going, ah! <laughs> I, was saying to her, I, was in the, I was in Brooks Bar, which is a performer's bar, and there was, it was in the middle of the day, and I was reading, waiting to be interviewed by someone, and three quite earnest drama students were being interviewed by someone for a, some little paper, and they were just talking, and I was going, ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and I just, just felt sure they were thinking, oh, why is he laughing at everything yeah. I was putting off? So I had to move, because I felt I was... Uh, it's very good, it's, it's, uh, well, it's, it, and you claim it's all true. It is all and true. And I do believe it's all true, yeah. but... You've got into, in your life, it's a very good way of doing an autobiography, of, especially if you're 
or a bumbling buffoon. Yeah, it was an um, accidental autobiography. Yeah. It wasn't. It was meant to be just the because I, I did. Where, where it comes from is I did stories on Josh Widdicombe's radio show. He had a radio show a few years ago. He doesn't anymore. Uh, it's not. It's not that in demand. But like, um, but they, and I just do a segment every week where yeah. I do a true story. And uh, it was just, yeah, it was the publisher's idea to put them in a book. And you just put them in chronological order. You realise you've done so many that it's an autobiography <laughs> yes. without, you didn't mean to. Well, it's very nice the way they sort of backfer to each other and all that. So it's, it, it's often, I think, like a comedian will put together like a, just a book that's some funny articles they've written. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, it's, there's no connection to it. But this, like, it's a, it works as a proper book on its own. Uh, there's lots of things that I, uh, I would like to talk to you more about from the book. Yep. I liked your... The first thing that really made me laugh was your anger at the, uh, the names of the cubs and the scouts yeah. and the beavers. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I, if, I don't know if anyone's been in the, the scouts, but uh, it's beavers, cubs and scouts. And I think the main thing I get angry about in that is that I don't really know... There's no theme... <laughs> whatsoever. They don't, in, in the wild, a beaver does not become a cub. <laughs> a cub. They're all different species. And I think I make the argument there that uh, beavers... Well, <laughs> well, the cub, well, so cubs are younger than beavers, essentially, in the wild, because yeah. they're little babies. Unless they're baby beavers, but then they should be called uh, kittens. That's right. Uh, but then everyone would think about cat babies. So I, 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 then I, I think I proposed calling them beaver kittens, which I thought was more disturbing. Yeah, beaver kittens is more disturbing. And then I think you talk about someone calling them cubs, tigers, and bigger tigers. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the Older tigers. <laughs> Older tigers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, it made me laugh. Uh, and you like, you, uh, you've also been on a sky... I've been on a skydive, and you've been on a skydive. Yeah. The skydive story's pretty... It was one of the worst days of my life. I really wanted to do... I was having, like, a... Um, I'd crashed my car and could have died. And so, like, got really, like, oh, I need to do things with my... I was 18. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to be dead one day. And I need to do stuff. And I did a skydive. And um, the first time I went, it got cancelled because the, uh, it was too cloudy. Which I, didn't, I still don't understand to this day. But like, it's like too cloudy, we can't skydive. And then it was cancelled again and then again. And then the fourth time, I just thought, well, it's not going to happen. Like, so I was so relaxed and didn't care. And we went up in the plane like we always do. I was like, not going to happen. It's okay. And then <laughs> what happened then was that I ended up jumping out of a plane without being prepared mentally, physically, or emotionally to jump out <laughs> of a plane. Which, feel, which means it feels like you've literally been pushed out of a plane like in Mission Impossible or something, yeah. like, a, like a bad guy. And so the adrenaline really... Hit, and the freefall bit was great, but the guy who I was attached to, he was really quiet in the plane, but then like, it's like he lived for skydiving and he loved it. So as soon as we jumped out, he transformed into this... Like, it looked like it was a bird. So like, as soon as we got out, he just started going, Whoa! In my ear. Like, I was like, have they attached me to someone else who's doing this for the first time? Because this is... <laughs> Somewhere else, there's two skydiving instructors attached to each other who are like, "This guy's not loving it as much as I thought he would." It's really going nuts. And then he um, he pulled the cord, at which point you kind of go from horizontal to vertical really quickly, and my stomach went haywire. And he was he started going, "Check this out, James!" And like he was zigzagging around, and my stomach was like trailing a few yeah, feet yeah. behind us. And eventually, I had to be. Oh, sorry, mate. Can you? Do you stop doing that? I feel a little bit. I feel a little bit queasy, <laughs> and I think queasy is like the word that skydivers hate. Them like they hated as soon as I said queasy, he was like, 
and he was he was there as well. Like yeah. his face was there. So I just felt him in my ear going, oh, <laughs> and then he kind of stopped zigging and zagging, and we just we would, but we were still thousands of feet. We yeah. were nowhere near the ground, and we're now just really slowly, so slowly. <laughs> making our way down, but just him in a mood of me and hating me. <laughs> and me there just, like, hanging off the front of him like that, just <laughs> feeling a little bit queasy and a bit upset. And, and then I, uh, I realised that... So here's, here's, a, here's a big tip for you if you're going to do a skydive. This is a really good tip. Don't wear slip-ons. <laughs> it's very, very handy... <laughs> so I, I, at, that, at the time, I only owned slip-ons, so I didn't even think about uh, what I was doing when I went skydiving. And I realised as we were drifting down, one of my slip-ons had started to slip off, which is the opposite of what I bought it for. And um, it's like half off my foot. And so I, I kind of, I didn't want to mention it to him because I was like, he's already. I don't want to go to him. I'm having some trouble with my slip-ons. And I, <laughs> he's, he's just unclipped me and watched me fall to my. Well-deserved death. <laughs> so I kind of hooked... I hooked my toes. So they were kind of... I hooked my toes towards my shins so that I was, like, just hooking my slip-on on my foot with one... But it's a lot to focus on when you're, like, still a long way... In the, and also, I, I still wanted to be sick. And I was thinking, like, if I'm sick now, like, I won't be able to maintain, you know, <laughs> keeping the slip-on on my foot while I'm sick. So it'll all fall out, and it'll look like I'm... I eat slip-ons <laughs> and then complain when it doesn't agree with me when I do a skydive. <laughs> so I had a lot in my head that I was worrying about. And then um, I was way too faint. And when we were coming into land, he was like, right, listen, James, you're not going to be able to do the landing that we practice. You're supposed to do a landing where you both pull on these strings together and you both lift your legs up at the same time and you land at the same time. It's like a, like a jump. And he said, we can't do that because you're too poorly, which poorly is such a... You feel like such a child. <laughs> Say you're ill or you're sick. They go, you're a bit poorly, so we can't do this. And so, he said, so we're going to have to do an emergency landing, which is basically I don't do anything. So he said, you don't worry about it. We're going to do an emergency. And then he starts shouting down at the people on the floor as we're coming in. He starts shouting, we got a sleeper. We've got a sleeper here, everyone. We've got a sleeper. You're going, oh, I would have preferred it if that was between us, that I'm a sleeper. Don't want everyone to know I'm a sleeper. But, um, and then we had to skid in. Like, everyone else was doing these landings, look great. And then the sleeper and his angry friend just came to skidding in on our butts. Just really, just literally just like that. Like, we're in some kind of carry-on film. But, like, and then, yeah, it was just, we were lying there. And I was, like, lifeless on top of him. So he couldn't get up for ages because I was just, like... So he was underneath, and then someone rushed over and took our photograph, <laughs> which my mum bought for a fiver. So I still got it in the house, and the photo is, is so it's me just, just like this. And he's underneath me looking over at his friends, going. <laughs> I, I found it very, it was very, I enjoyed this, I wouldn't want to do it again, but when I did a skydive, I yeah. kind of enjoyed it. 
I love the free fall bit. Yeah, that I, was amazing. The, I like the stop. I didn't like the free fall bit. I like the what? stopping bit. Oh, no. I like the bit when you suddenly you're flying, and the, my guy was quite quiet behind me. You had a, you had a professional yeah. guy who was <laughs> yeah, so nice and it reserved. It was very peaceful coming down, and then suddenly the ground comes at you very quickly. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't see the ground. I had no. my eyes shut. And I was <laughs> I was I was asleep. I was I managed to stay awake. We still bumped along. I think I was. Right. I think they said you had to be a certain under a certain weight to do it, and I okay. lied that I was under that weight. I was a little bit over that. Look, weight. It's just jumping out of a plane. What, <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? I would lie, <laughs> lie about my weight. <laughs> we got through it. I did it. So Wasn't the guy who was, it was you, you were attached to? Was it he like, hold on a second here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he's been completely honest. I don't want to, want to, want to jump out the plane with him. <laughs> I did feel, it made me feel sick as well. I'm glad he didn't, mine didn't make me yeah. go from side to side. He said, he, he just told me you probably didn't eat enough breakfast. I was like, well, tell us that in an email or something. You know, say, <laughs> Make sure you eat loads of breakfast, otherwise this will be an awful experience for you. You won't enjoy a second of it. But you've been in lots of car crashes. We talked about one the last one we did the Less Square Theatre podcast, yeah. but I didn't know you'd had two more before that. So yeah. One when you were 18. Well, 18, one when I was 22, and one when I was 25. Okay. Yeah. And uh, don't drive no more. Do you not drive? No. I just... Not because I'm scared of it, but just because I think after the third one, I was like, I'd probably best knock this off the head because... <laughs> I was very lucky because they were all very dramatic, but yeah, no yeah. one was hurting any of them. Yeah. And I, I just, I, after the third one, I just thought, if, if, if like, I mean, it's bad enough, obviously, if you're, if you have, if you are responsible for anyone getting hurt. But I thought it even worse when, like, you've had these warning shots in the past, <laughs> chosen to ignore it, and then after a recent one, you go, okay, I probably should have seen that one coming. So yeah, I've, I've just been uh, steered clear of it now. And how did you get to get you get driven around by someone else? I've got a tour manager for yeah. tours, and then I just get trains everywhere else for yeah. other stuff. Yeah, so it's it's actually more hard when I'm doing like a, yeah, you know, if I'm going to visit my family or whatever, then yeah. they've got to drive. Yeah, you know, I've got to go to. Kevin train station they've got to come and pick me up in the car and all yeah. that and taxi me around but, yeah. yeah I don't think I'd, I'd get a lift with you no uh, your insurance must be quite high as well if you wanted to drive us I know it might have gone back to normal now because that's what happened like that's what happened <laughs> they After forget the... they're very forgetful the insurance well it people. kind of just kind of comes back up and goes back to normal and you kind of go oh, alright but like yeah this time it might be yeah. might be quite bad the last one was pretty bad the last exciting. one was pretty bad it's pretty exciting really bad here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, this is just something I ask everyone, and it might not be a case for you. Uh, have you ever met Brian Blessed? <laughs> uh, I saw him do Panto. Oh, did you? Yeah, I saw him uh, as Captain Hook okay. um, with uh, Kirsten O'Brien as Peter Pan. Okay. And, yeah, it was great. Obviously, yeah. you know, I, I was a kid, so at the time I thought it was amazing, but I reckon as an adult I might sit there going, you're making this difficult for all your other for your, co- <laughs> your co-performers, mate. Because, it's like, hard, you know, whatever they do... Like, he was going on stage when it wasn't his scene and stuff like that. And, like, in the background, and, and just, just, like, creeping along the side of the stage like this. And everyone's laughing, and the people who are doing their scene, they're like, I don't know why anyone's laughing at this, but this is about, you know, clap your hands if you believe in fairies. It's meant to be an emotional, nice bit, and they're really <laughs> laughing about it. And it's because he's gone past wearing a stupid hat that you found in the props department. <laughs> I love him, I love him. Yeah. Uh, his daughter's up in a, a play. Uh, the name which has escaped me for a second, something about cats. Oh, damn, I'll try and think about it later. It's very good, go and see it. Uh, look up Rosalind, blessed. Is it cats? It's, uh, no, it's, no it's, about, it's, about dog, it's about dogs. It's about, oh, it's about damn dogs. It. I'm really sorry, Rosalind, that I forgot the name of... Uh, I should be able to get Brian Blessed on the show. I know his daughter, what's going on? Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Um, He'll probably turn up in this one in a minute. He will. <laughs> I imagine... And uh, I loved, I know it was based on one of your stand-up shows slightly, but I loved your sitcom pilot, that We the Jury. Oh, thanks, man. That was really Thank good. And I, was, I think all of, the, all of those ones, I mean, mm. even Goodnight Sweetheart was on that, and I still preferred <laughs> it. I still preferred it to the reboot yeah. of Goodnight Sweetheart. So. Yeah, that was uh, our main But it didn't, didn't get picked up. Didn't get picked up, uh, real shame, but, I, what, but such a good experience. And, I, and one of those things where, like, I think there's been maybe some projects in the past where I haven't put my all into them and they've either got made or got turned down yeah. and uh, they get turned down and you feel really bad that your project gets turned down or it gets made and you're like Ugh, I'm not or you're upset that it's not getting a good reception and people sure, aren't enjoying yeah. it and then uh, and I kind of did realise after the last one of those that oh you're not you're not putting as much effort into this as you are your stand-up. You put loads of effort into your stand-up shows and then you don't care what people say about them because you're proud of them yeah. and you don't give a shit. But like, you care about all this stuff because kind of, a bit of you knows it's not very good. And uh, with that pilot, I just yeah, it was like really fun to just put everything into it yeah. and also have a team of people who were all on the same page as me, which is like very rare if you're doing like a project with that many people working on it, to have a director, producers, you know, actors, people at the channel all on the same page. Yeah, and yeah. so I was so delighted with like, the end product. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. Sure. So then when it got turned down, I was surprised at how not upset I was. Like, I oh, thought really? I was going to be like... Yeah, I, I mean, I really wanted to do it. I loved doing the pilot so much that I wanted to do loads more episodes and work with all these people over and over again. But when it got turned down, I was like, oh, I stand by it. I, I didn't feel like I was like... Whatever criticisms they had... Yeah. They didn't hit me like they normally do when you go, you know, that's true, actually, and okay. I could have done a better job there. And yeah. then it makes you feel, like, uh, a little bit, yeah, just like you're not very good. But, like, for this, it was like, oh, that's just a matter of taste. I stand by everything that's in this yeah. pilot. And, yeah. I mean, it's weird, because I guess they were doing a lot of things all at the same time when there was quite... It was a sitcom season. Sitcom there was about, season, yeah. There was, quite, there was some good... I mean, the Motherland thing was a great one. Yeah, Motherland was great, and, yeah, uh, really good. And I thought the Porridge one was... Not, out of all the reboot ones, wasn't bad. Yeah, They're Porridge was good fun. Well. I had a lady in a... I had a gig in Leeds where... Um, uh, there's a lady there who got quite angry early doors 
Um, <laughs> and then she remained angry for the whole show. And then I should have left it and not said anything. But at the end, I kind of like was like, I, you know, I hope you've all enjoyed it, man. I hope, I hope you've, you know, despite early on, I hope you've, she was like, I haven't enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, fair enough. And, and she was like, it's just that um, I, like, I like clever comedy. <laughs> I, I said, oh, fair, fair play. What, what, what's your favourite uh, comedy show? And she went, Porridge. And I was like, yes. I mean, I love porridge, but it's not a thinker, is it? <laughs> it's not... You go away going, what were they trying to say with that episode of porridge? <laughs> the subtext is what really keeps me coming back to porridge. And did you not want... I mean, I know you had a little tiny part in your sitcom, but yeah. the, the central character seemed to be very much you, and you yeah. didn't play him. Yeah, well, I... I, I wanted to play a different part and also I didn't feel like I'm not like I'm not an actor so like I, I didn't feel like I could play that lead role okay. um, even though it was kind of based on me and one of my shows yeah it was uh, I, it needed to be more enthusiastic than I am <laughs> in my stand-up and I, I knew I couldn't actually realistically carry off being someone who's really infused and uh, optimistic so um, uh, Ed Easton who's in Games Family Gift Shop is one of yeah. my favorite sketch performers was my first choice and like that was another thing as well is that like, I got all of my first choice like, yeah. that cast is exactly who I wanted really and cast. Ed who hadn't you know done a sitcom before uh, you know I kind of was really you know, from the start being like oh, this is who I want and cool. like yeah, yeah then the production company went for him the channel went for him and he did such a great job but my character was going to become if it went to series yeah. it was going to be more of a regular character okay. that was in it a lot it was um, it's actually a character from one of my other shows which is all about me being an undercover cop. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, it was going to be that character for the whole thing, of right, me, okay. me being Pat Springleaf. Oh, maybe, maybe they'll do it again. Later. It all exists up here. It does. Got it here. Got it, here. It's, 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 it's such a shame when they're, you know... It's, it, there must be, you know, there's an alternate... I've got an alternate universe sitcom that might, happen, might not happen, yeah. you know, uh, but there's an alternate universe where both of our sitcoms are happening. Both happening, going head yeah. to head, and we head hate each head. other. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, me, and Manford all over again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and you're on Conan. What was it like? You're on Conan O'Brien's yeah. show. Were you doing like just the stand-up slot, or were you interviewed on that? I did the stand-up slot. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, I did the stand-up slot. How was it? Uh, <laughs> um, well, if, it, if this was anyone else interviewing me, Richard, I would just say it's very good. It was great mm. because it's you, and I know what kind of stuff you like. I'll tell you the truth. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, first of all, may I say that the people who make the Conan O'Brien show are some of the nicest people I've ever met in TV. Yeah. They run an extremely well-oiled machine, <laughs> uh, very tight ship, very welcoming. Everyone made me feel great. And also, I was very happy with the end result that went out on television. Uh, now, I, um, <laughs> so I, I'd been, I got to L.A. the day before and done a gig that I'd enjoyed very much. And maybe two... So I really enjoyed this gig the night before and kind of celebrated then right. when I had Conan the next day, <laughs> which films in the afternoon. Uh, so I drank a lot of whiskey, uh, and then I went to a Mexican food truck and got a quesadilla, a chicken quesadilla. Went home, went to sleep, then woke up two hours later and uh, just filled my toilet with shit. <laughs> really shitting everywhere and didn't get back to sleep again and then I had to go and do Conan and uh, I went there and like I wasn't feeling well but like I covered it up uh, and then I 
I was standing, also everyone had told me the Conan audience are the nicest audience in the world. They're so up for it, so easy. But, you know, we, we know as comics that when you get told that, you're probably going to be there on the one night where they're not easy. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was thinking, oh, too many people have said this is a really easy gig, and I was kind of worried that it won't be. And then I was watching from the side, and they weren't giving the warm-up man much, which was weird, because he's like, and he was doing such an amazing job. Everyone said he's the best warm-up in the business. And they're not giving him much. I was like, well, that's weird. But then the producer said, don't worry, Conan's going to come on and do his monologue. They'll go for that. They'll love that. Conan went on and did his monologue, and they weren't giving him much. And then the producer <laughs> turned to me and went, <laughs> I, I, was, I was a bit like why are you doing that you work here every day if you're doing that this is bad so I watched the whole thing and they're not really giving anyone much for jokes that were funny really funny jokes that were like why are they not laughing at this at some point it was me laughing on my own in the wings so I'd already kind of accepted my fate before I went on and uh I went on, and they were really tough. If you go and watch the clip on YouTube, it is, you know, if you want to see a man sticking to his guns for five minutes, then uh, <laughs> watch that. I am absolutely not blinking for a second and sticking to the plan, but only because I knew what I was walking into. So it was really hard. And, I, I, you know, I don't know if you find this, but in the moment for gigs like that that you've built up in your mind and you're excited about, even when they're going badly at the time, you're still not upset on stage. You're just doing it. But then as soon as I come off stage, I was like, oh, my God, like that's gonna that's the, the the most amount of people who've ever seen me on TV are gonna see that. And that was me getting hardly anything and looking like an idiot on American television. Now everyone's gonna see that and look like a twat. And then my, my agent was like, um, let's go to a steak restaurant and celebrate. I was like, <laughs> why? If you managed to talk them out of not airing that episode because I don't wanna <laughs> celebrate anything. And then we went to the steak restaurant and I shit myself. I literally immediately shat my pants in a steakhouse. So it was half an hour after I'd literally walked off stage, went in an Uber to a steak restaurant. I went to the toilet and just shat my pants. But I've been because I've been on the TV thing. I had a change, a full change of clothes in my bag. So I went in this cubicle, sorted myself out, changed, so came out wearing a completely different outfit. And went over to my agent and said, we've got to go, I've shat myself. <laughs> uh, and he was like, this is one of the best steakhouses in LA. <laughs> I was like, fine. Because like, you know, he, was, he was leaving the next, I was there for two weeks, but he was going to leave the next day. And I, I knew he was really excited to be at the steakhouse and he's a good guy. So I was like, okay, man. But I, didn't, I ordered a, a steak just, just to be polite, and then as soon as it comes, I'm, like, I'm not eating that. I'm going to shit myself again. So I, I, I just sat there, and I was really depressed. And uh, I was saying to him, oh, I just don't think this job makes me happy a lot of the time. And, like, <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a great... And he was there, he just going, man, it's fine. You're great. <laughs> Five sides. You're a great comic. And, all, and I was like, dude, I just want to go home. And um, so then, like, the next morning, I woke up, and uh, I still had food poisoning. So I've been up all night, still just like going back to from the toilet. Still felt ill, but also I had the additional thing of now I couldn't hear out of one ear. Like the, my hearing had gone, and it really, really hurt as well. It was like in agony. So I phoned my American agent up because Chris had gone home, and I was like, uh, I had to hold the phone there. Uh, I was like. <laughs> I can't hear out of this ear, and it really hurts. And they were like, right, we'll cancel your meetings today and just go to ER. And I went to ER, and I wasn't 
prepared that everyone in ER who works there looks like the people on the TV show ER. They're, they're beautiful. They're so attractive. And I was going in like, you know, I've had food poisoning for two days and I can't hear it. And uh, this lady took me into and she looked at my ears. And like in England, like the doctors are rude, I find a lot of the time, and not very welcoming. They, they, they kind of, when, I, when you walk in, they kind of go, oh, you haven't got anything, have you? And you're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I absolutely have, that's why I'm here. But like, there, they're like, hey, how's it going? They're really friendly. But also, they don't speak as professionally as the doctors do. So over here, they would give you a diagnosis as a proper, that's what you're meant to say. In LA, she looked at my ears and went, whew, your ears are hella waxy. <laughs> that's not great. No, I have really waxy ears on top of all this. <laughs> she went, we're going to have to flush them out. So she gave me a robe, but she needed to put that robe on. I was like, my ears are in my face. <laughs> I don't think I need a robe. She was like, just at least take your shirt off. So I did, I put the robe on, and I had to lay on my side in the fetal position, which obviously when you've got food poisoning, you don't want to be laying on your side, like squashing all this together. Just going on, when all the nerves... Also, the curtain was open, and all the really attractive people were walking by. So she was like, just... Just so much water in my ears, salt water, and it was like pouring over my face and down my... I was just being waterboarded for the whole thing. <laughs> and then at the end, she starts laughing, really, really finding something funny, and she was like, your butt! <laughs> your butt is covered in water! And I looked, and it, well, it was just my ass was just completely drenched. And so I was walking out with like a clean shirt on, and everyone was like, but there's this wet butt. And because... So I looked like I'd shat myself again, but because... Within a 24-hour window, I had shat myself. I don't know if you've ever shat yourself, but the shame doesn't leave your eyes for a while. <laughs> so I still looked in my face like a man who just shat himself, <laughs> while physically looking like it as well. So like, and then I think I spent another two days in bed, and then I went out for the first time in two days, and I was like, "You just got to be out the flat." And I opened the door, and I took one step out into the street. And four people walked past and went, Hey, Ron Weasley! He <laughs> like... can't even come back to that, because when they hear I'm English, they have a field day that I am Ron Weasley. <laughs> so that was what Conan was like. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad they asked. Yeah. I'm pleased I asked. It seems like this sort of thing happens to you quite... I mean, this is just... You know, as a comedian, this is just wonderful, isn't it? That all these things happen to you. Yeah, at you the just... time, I'm like, this is wonderful. Like you say, to air is human, to air enough to fill a book isn't. Yeah. You know, like there's, to have the, a, to have this yeah. many stories and remember them as yeah. well, I think, is quite Also, wait, may I congratulate you on reading that correctly? I did Will Gompert's Radio 5 show the yeah. other day. And Will Gompert's when we've got your book here, James Eckes' Classic Scrapes, to air is human, to air enough to fill a book. <laughs> and I was like, that's not the full thing, Will. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. It makes me like an idiot on radio. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, a lot of things. Basically, the reason why... I, when I started doing stand-up, yeah. all I did was tell true stories because I thought, you know, these are all the stories I'd tell my friends and would be funny. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I was like, well, I'm going to do them on... You know, I'm gonna do them on and everything has to be true. And that was a rule when yeah. I started as an open spot. It was like, it's all got to be true. And then no one believes you when you do it as stand-up. Because you know, now, I think, you know, you're all like, it would be weird if he was lying in an interview in this kind of relaxed, informal, you know, so you all believe me because, you know, it's 
why would I lie? I mean, weird. But like, and, and when you're telling your friends when you're on Josh's radio show, it's weird to lie. And when it's in a book, but like doing stand-up, they instantly think like, oh, he's going to embellish some stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so all the bits that were like the funny bits, they would be like, nah, didn't you didn't do that? <laughs> and so it would always die and never work. And it yeah. was like, but Josh, who was open spot with me, liked those stories. And yeah. so when he got the radio show, it was like just. You can put them all on here. Why do you think so many things like? Because this must happen. This happens to you more than other people. Is it? Yeah. I think you're sort of open. You're open to new experiences. Certainly in this book. I mean, yeah. that's part of it. Is you deliberately seeking things out? Sometimes it's but yeah. Then, it's not deliberately seeking out a bad situation, no, no. but it, it's saying yes to something that sounds like a, a, a fascinating or different experience to what most people might like. When my singing teacher asked me to join a, a band with her and the lineup was her on flute, a didgeridoo player and me on congas. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, of course I'll join that band immediately <laughs> because, like, you know, you're, you're in your 50s. <laughs> I'm in my early 20s. This will be great to be in a band with you playing the flute. And so, but, you know, I didn't think it would go badly. <laughs> yes. I thought it would be fine. I didn't think the didgeridoo player would be a conspiracy theorist to quit the band in, during the first practice. <laughs> or telling my singing teacher to go fuck herself. So, like, you know, it was... It's that kind of stuff. I was, I was just very open, especially, like, before... I, I think, you know, before I found what it was I wanted to do, you know, career-wise or with my life, you know, I was just saying yes to everything and seeing what happened and, you know, everything was an adventure. Yeah. And I'm probably a bit more cautious now. I think it's also probably... Because you're, the way your brain works... A, a, you're very observant about things, I think, which, is, which mm. makes these stories much better, but also you, you're a pedantry, I think, within... So, like... You, there was the guy who swallowed loads of hot chocolate and said, I was, I was breathing hot chocolate. Well, no, he... That was... That was uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, it was my first day of work at Wicksteed Park. And he was... Trying, I was going to be serving food and drinks. And his name was Chet, and he was a really nice man who was giving me a guided tour of the, the Oak Tree, which is where we worked. And he said, this is the uh, machine does hot drinks. It's just a tea, coffee, hot chocolate. And sometimes you've got to change the bag of hot chocolate in the back. And one time, right, I opened a new bag of hot chocolate and the hot chocolate powder poofed up in my face. And later on that day, I did a sneeze and it tasted like hot chocolate. <laughs> I was like, I can't work here. <laughs> so if that's his best anecdote in years of... <laughs> But it was also the thing that it doesn't taste like hot chocolate. Yeah. It tastes like chocolate. <laughs> it doesn't taste like hot chocolate. Hot chocolate's not a flavour. It's a temperature which a flavour can be served at. <laughs> Unless he's doing hot sneezes, in which case that should be the story. <laughs> but that's, and I love you, you do, there's a story about you going to a game, a board game night and then turn out to be doing role play stuff and you end up playing yeah. in the World War one, I think, game, but then yeah. you notice that all the soldiers you're fighting against have uh, look like the characters in Dad's Army. Yeah, Is that, all the yeah this guy who hated me, by the way. I, I was paired up <laughs> with a guy. They were playing a World War I game, uh, and like it was me and my friend turned up. We thought it was going to be... I was trying to do... Uh, have a new experience every night of the week. I think, I think, again, I was 18. I wanted to do something new every night of the week. I found a Kepman Board Games Club, and I went to it with a, a board game in my bag and then discovered it was like, you know, it was Warhammer and uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It wasn't, there wasn't any boards. It was all like, you know, like card games and Magic the Gathering. And so we were put on this, like, yeah, this World War uh, game, and I decided to be the Germans, which apparently makes you an actual traitor, and everyone hated me. <laughs> And this guy that I was on a team with uh, wasn't too impressed. And then, uh, yeah, I realised that all the English soldiers we were fighting against were all painted to look like the characters in Dad's army. And at one point, I had to decide whether to shoot Pike in the face or the chest. 
<laughs> and chose the face of us. <laughs> Didn't want him getting up from it. So. But I think remembering details like that, that's, what, that's what's... I mean, it's, 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 honestly, do uh, buy his book and buy my book as well. And, and see which is best. Um, I should ask him, I'll ask you, and this is my new emergency question because this happened to me this week. What is the most benign fairground or playground ride you've ever been on that has scared you? Because I went on a tiny child's roundabout and was terrified I was going to die. Oh, really? Yeah. In, well, there was a fair that came to Kettering every year, probably still does, yeah. uh, and it had a ghost train on it. Right. And the ghost train, for a while, it was just that like, you got on the, the train and it went it was, it was a horseshoe shape and that was it but a very small one yeah. and there would just be like uh, like little like, rubber bats hanging from the ceiling it was nothing like nothing happened yeah. and because everyone was complaining it was shit so they got a man in a skeleton outfit to literally as soon as you went into the tunnel he would jump out and jump on top of your carriage and just go ah! <laughs> in your face <laughs> there and it was me and my sister, just like this, as like you know, primary school children. And I, 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 when he did it to my sister, I went, "You leave her alone!" And it was like just carried on going. But then word got out that this man did this, and so fully grown adults were getting on and punching him, just smack him in the face. And then the third kind of act of this is that he, because he was anticipating the punches, he was then armed with a, uh, he had a, he had a, a metal tray. And when they tried to punch him, he'd just go. And then, oh! And that was the ride. <laughs> it was like the punch of skeleton. I said, if you get a hit, didn't even quit. Just was like, yeah, here's a dinner tray. You can defend yourself. All the people from Corby coming up to kick the shit out of him. Good, good. That's a good answer to that question. Uh, uh, here's question 148, if you're playing along at home. Would you rather be immune from ever getting chlamydia or have free Kit Kats for life? The, you would get, you'd get 365 four-finger Kit Kats per year or yeah. 366 on leap year, but you would still be able to get chlamydia. Well, <laughs> uh, I would rather not get chlamydia for yeah. the rest of my life. That would be good. But then that's me. But no, because then you're planning on having a life of <laughs> shagging around, you just wear a you? condom, you won't, get a chlamydia, you won't get chlamydia. Yeah, but... You know, that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Free Kit Kats as well. Think of that. Free Kit Kats forever. That's, that's very nice. But then I know Kit Kats aren't my favourite <laughs> chocolate bar, which is, you've deliberately done that. Because you know, <laughs> no one's favourite chocolate bar is a Kit Kat. But then, you know, no one's cocky enough to think they're going to just sleep with people forever. So, <laughs> it's very... Jo- I, I, play, I give the kick-outs to my dad, who really... My dad really loves uh, yeah. chocolate yeah. and uh, all, all things sweet. That'd be a nice gesture. But then I'd get nothing out of the whole thing. <laughs> I'll, do you know what? I'll go for the chlamydia. <laughs> okay, I won't get chlamydia forever. Great, good. That's, yeah. that's yours. But then, yeah. aren't you going to get... <laughs> You're going to get arrogant about it and just go around going bareback all the time and get something way worse, aren't you? I mean, it's like, oh, well, at least I won't get chlamydia. Then, like, yeah. well, we all know what will happen. <laughs> well, you thought it through, and that was a good... There's a thorough answer. Um, if you had to be in... Four... Also, throughout that whole thing, yeah. I was trying to think of a joke about fingering with Kit Kat oh, fingers. No, good, and, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I couldn't do it, but no. I want you to know I'll try my best. <laughs> I can't find the... I'll, I'll ask you, what's, uh, what's the strangest thing you've ever found in the embers of a bonfire? 
<laughs> this is my this is my favourite question. To just go rooting around in quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I've ever found anything strange in there. I, I was in the Scouts and Cubs, obviously, which we've already just discussed. And we were yeah. doing many campfires in that. I've never been able to root around in a bonfire before. Sometimes you find things there, you know, burnt, little burnt. I found my yeah. first cat in the bonfire. It was burnt. <laughs> well, was this? You already owned it. No, there was, no, we, it was a, it was a stray cat. And this was the end of the story. It was story. a stray cat, and then it got into the bonfire on bonfire night. Yeah, and, and then it got burnt on its side. Yeah, and we you know we we stuck by it. We, we you felt kept it. We saved the cat. What's his name? Oscar. Oscar. You didn't yeah. want to give it a like a <laughs> name related to the fire. The fire. Berno. Yeah, Bernie or Guy or <laughs> just Guy. Just call it Guy. Bernie. I wish we'd thought of that. That would be good. Uh, if you were forced to be in a human centipede with two other people and you were in the middle, but you could choose who the other two people were going to be, oh, great. who yeah. would you have in front of you and who would you have behind you? Oh, very nice. <laughs> uh, in front of me, I would... Oh, who's got a really good diet who I know? Actually, it's like, are we all just getting force-fed the same? I mean... Because well, I assume the first person isn't getting to eat as clean as they always would. If like, <laughs> I think they. No, I think they could chew. I think it's quite a benign human centipede maker. The first is, person yeah, has, least, a, has a menu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can just have what they like. They can I just think order they, I think from. just let you go back into the you know into your normal life. Yeah. He just wanted it. I mean, to ask you who you want at either end is so polite, isn't it? For, yeah. Compared to the real human centipede guy. Absolutely. Well, I think okay. So the front probably someone. You know those people who are like life gurus and stuff who like every every aspect of their life they're really you know they yeah. meditate they're very healthy so someone like I probably Oprah Oprah Winfrey because yeah. <laughs> I think she takes care of herself and she wouldn't yeah she probably never had diarrhea <laughs> you know, which actually is that you might worse? want you might prefer diarrhea in this yeah, situation actually you might just want to just slip down otherwise nicely, it's like it? you got to chew it. You don't want someone with very hard, yeah, solid, big okay. stools. Not Oprah. Nish Kumar. <laughs> Nish Kumar. Tire every day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, behind me, oh, so many people who are like to shit in their mouths. <laughs> real, real tough, real tough call. Um, uh, oh, uh, Miss Hearn who was my teacher in year seven, who took an instant dislike to me and made my, made my life hell for a year and is now a head teacher somewhere and has not got a comeuppance in the slightest. Was shit in her mouth forever. Yeah. Why, did, why do you think she didn't like you? She just took, she, apparently in her first year of teaching, everyone worked, walked all over her. And so I was there for her second year and she decided she was going to make her mark and put her foot down. But what she did was she chose the one kid in the class who just wouldn't, wouldn't fight back. I mean, so the actual, you know, naughty kid who was called Barry Moore, real yeah. name, uh, <laughs> she let, just let him off the leash to do whatever he wanted. He, he was swinging on the back of his chair and smacking this metal... He used, to, I, he used to smack a metal ruler off the edge of a wooden desk and just be hacking chunks out of it for the lesson and she wouldn't say anything. And I would literally be sitting like this and she'd go, James, you're slouching, stand up for the whole lesson. And I'd be standing up for the entire lesson because I was slouching in my seat. And she just really didn't like me. And she gave me detentions all the time. I've been a kid who, until then, had just got an immaculate, clean record. And afterwards, as well, never got in trouble again. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't know. You know when, like, as an adult, you get angrier about it? Because you, you get, you're like, oh, as a kid, when I was 11, 
I didn't have the emotional uh, maturity to stand up for myself and say to an adult, what are you talking about? I'd I, I like I just say to her, you're clearly just taking something out on me. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to come to this detention. Because you're a kid, so you just go, oh, yeah, I better just be told off all the time. Yeah. And then as an adult, you're like, I want to shit in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have the video of you eating 20 t- chicken nuggets when you were drunk? No, I deleted uh, that. Fi- I, I didn't delete it. I lost everything on my phone uh, once. But, like, yeah, um, it, at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, Nish Kumar uh, went out and ate 20 chicken nuggets. This is why I'd like him in front of me in a human centipede. Um, he, he ate 20 chicken nuggets, and everyone made fun of him for ages and called him uh, 20 nugs for ages. And... Um, <laughs> And then I got really drunk one night, and I misremembered what had happened to Nish and thought that everyone thought it was cool that Nish had eaten the 20 chicken nuggets. So I went and got the 20 chicken nuggets, and I ate them. Uh, and then I'd forgotten all about it until I found a video on my phone. And it's me, and then uh, Evan Gonzalez from Back to the Van, and John Kearns. And I was filming it and eating all these nuggets, looking at the camera. And in between every one, I'd say something like, fuck you, Nish. <laughs> and eat another one. And then Kearns would like, lean forward every now and go, Fuck you, Nish. <laughs> and it was, like, it was just this kind of like, and I think it ended with a van really close going, hey, Nish, fuck you. And it was like, yeah, that was the whole. And then, yeah, I kind of found out, I think while trying to show off to someone, I think I was like, yeah, if you want to show someone a picture of my nephews and there's right. this video, I was like, what's that? And then in front of them, was like, oh, that's me eating 20 chicken nuggets. Or <laughs> Cursing Nish. And, um, all right, so like, we've, near, we've got to go soon, unfortunately, but um, that's, uh, what does that say there? Money. Oh, yeah. No, we won't that. <laughs> Just can't read my own writing. Um, have you seen any shows that you would recommend at the Edinburgh Fringe? Yes. Uh, Tom Neenan's show, Attenborough, is brilliant. Uh, if, you like, if you like Tom Neenan, if you've seen Tom Neenan, if you haven't, he uh, he's writes for a lot of radio and TV shows that you probably do like. He is a great joke writer. And also the show is like one story of uh, Richard Attenborough in his, in his early days. Um, it's a very silly, uh, very tightly written show. Uh, John Kearns was really good. John, I mean, I probably don't need to recommend Kearns to you guys, but if you haven't seen John Kearns, you should go and see him. His show is amazing. Uh, and Anne Edmonds, who's an Australian comedian, is doing... Uh, she's so funny. I've seen all of her shows, and she's really, really good. Um, and Evelyn Mock is a, so doing her debut hour, and she's one of my favourites. And if you, are you completely sold out? Uh, my, I'm doing uh, tonight, tomorrow, and the next day. I'm doing this extra fourth show right. thing at eleven o'clock at the Queen Dome, and I believe there's still tickets left okay, for that. Cool. We'll yeah. Come and see that because it's a big room you're in to, to have sold out the whole run. Well done on. Thank you, mate. Fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> there's still tickets to all my performances if you want to come and see. Oh, frig, I'm No, it's doing okay. I'm, I'm uh, more than happy. Well, look, I think we're going to have to end it there, but uh, thank you so much for coming down. I really massively appreciate it. That was brilliant. Good Ladies and gentlemen, it's James A. Castor! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.